When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Leaf Sky episode number 55. Where does the time go? Jim Taddy with you for the next, I want to say, 25 minutes or so. Dave McCarthy, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network, and NHL.com is our guest. And before we get going, here's something that you should consider. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend. Receive $200 in free bets instantly. I say just bet $1 on any football game this weekend. Receive $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings, as you know, safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. It doesn't get much easier than that. And ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code, what is it? THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. The promo code is, what is it? THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, to the hockey story, and not much happening, but there is a development. It's called the Development Camp, and all NHL teams have these. It is a collection of draft picks and prospects getting set for the prospects tournament that they may be involved in, and for the Leafs, that's at Traverse City next weekend. Nick Robertson, front and center. He's the star attraction. There's no question about that, and we'll have quite a bit to say about him and and what he could do. I I view him, as you'll hear in this conversation with Dave McCarthy, as sort of the flex point of the entire Leaf camp. He could go a long way or not. Here is that conversation with Dave McCarthy, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network, and (laughs) NHL.com. Uh, Dave, the development camp is uh, starting up as we speak. Um, obviously, prospects tournament uh, the following weekend, and then 
onto the, the regular camp. Of, of, of all the names on this development camp list, is there anybody there not named uh, Nick Robertson that, that could actually make an impact here? This season at the NHL level, I would be surprised if that's the case. Um, uh, Rodion Amarov is not at the development camp uh, right now. He's a guy that maybe at some point this year, but I still think there would be a stretch uh, from that standpoint. Uh, really, to me, the only name of note, if you're looking for uh, guys that can help the students this year that are attending the development camp, um, are Nick Robertson, because he's been at the NHL level. Uh, he's had a little bit of experience, and now uh, he's a guy that it's, it's really important, uh, finds a way to take a step forward this season. They're relying on a guy, quite frankly, to come out of nowhere that they weren't necessarily budgeting all that much on to, to come in and play well above expectations. And if he could do that, that would be good. But, but as for the, uh, the rest of the names on this list, um, we're talking guys that, that I think are still, quite frankly, years, years away from contending for a spot. I kind of like this time of the year because you can't really uh, understand how things track forward. But since we're talking about Nick Robertson, I look at this guy as, as a possible wild card in that he could literally turn that roster, all those roster battles on the left side, he could literally throw them up in the air if he was to make an impression in the regular camp and then evolve nicely, hoping he gets the right minutes during the regular season. He could actually play himself up into a position where he bumps somebody out, couldn't he? Well, I think that's the hope, but he certainly has the potential to do that at some point. Um, look, the, the thing that I think is critical for teams that end up going on deep runs, long runs, is that every year you can look at their roster and you can usually find a guy, maybe sometimes two, that at the beginning of the year wasn't really even in the plans of the team, but they just played to a level where you couldn't not put the guy on the ice, and then by the end of the year, he's an integral part of the team. Really, look no further to Nick's brother in Dallas with the Stars last year. This was a guy that they didn't really budget for at the beginning of the year. They weren't going in saying, uh, we hope this guy is able, or you know, we expect this guy is able to produce this, this, and this. It's more, ah, maybe he can find a way to sniff around, get a roster spot, make something happen. To the extent that he had success with the Dallas Stars last year, that was completely unaccounted for. Now, Dallas had a number of different issues, maybe not the best example because they didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, point is they got decimated by COVID. Their schedule got out of control. A lot of guys were hurt. But the point is, is that, um, Nick's brother in Dallas, uh, he had a great year. Um, you know, you look at, at Tampa Bay, uh, Ross Colton, maybe a bit better of an example, didn't have the, the individual season uh, that Robertson did in Dallas, but Ross Colton was a guy that ended up playing a big impact on that team, even down the stretch and into the, the cup final. So he was a guy that pushed through, and suddenly they found more depth than they might have necessarily thought they had. For the Leafs right now, I mean, you look at the holes that they have up front on that roster, and, and there are quite a few. There's a lot of guys in camp right now on, on hope contracts where, you know, you bring this guy in, the Nick Ritchies, the Andre Cashes, those type of guys where you hope they can do something, but you're really not sure if you're going to get it. If Nick Robertson can step up and say, I'm the guy who will get it done early on in camp and at the beginning of the season, well, then suddenly – You've got a lot more depth than you thought you had. That's the hope for Nick Robertson. But 
have to be careful not to burden the young man with too much responsibility. You've got to let him find his traction um, and his comfort level at the NHL level first before you start looking at him and demanding production. He's not at that level yet, but he has the capability, I think, to be a guy that, that could steal one of those spots. Well, Dave, to steal your line there, the, the Leafs have a lot of hope in their training camp roster. Most of it is based on the left side. Some of it uh, down the middle on the third and fourth lines. And there's a there's almost a conspiracy of, of applicants for these jobs. I, I don't know exactly how it all works up, but they have strength in numbers, don't they? Well, define strength, right? I mean, if you've got a lot of guys in camp that ultimately won't be able to get the job done, is that strength or is just that is that just quantity? Um, we'll see. And the answer to that question, quite frankly, is I don't know yet. But when you're in the position that the Leafs are in, where you're tied up against the cap because you got four guys taking up uh, essentially half of your salary cap, that's the position you find yourself in, where you need to essentially place bets on guys and hope that they hit. And they've done that over the last number of years, bringing in. A lot of a lot of guys on one-year deals, you know, seven fifty, a million bucks, million and a half, something in that range, and you hope that they hit. And quite frankly, in the last couple of years, a lot of the guys have not hit to the level that they needed. You know, Jason Spezza was really good last year. That was a hit. Um, you know, they, they brought in Joe Thornton. I think that was more of a miss than a hit. Uh, they brought in Wayne Simmons. They brought him back again this year at a two-year deal. I think, quite frankly, last year it was more of a miss than a hit. He got hurt, not his fault, but he, he certainly didn't overperform his, his level. And that's just the fact of the matter. And they brought him back on a two-year deal, which, quite frankly, was a little surprised. Now, uh, there's nobody who wants to be here more and have more success in Toronto than Wayne Simmons does, but based on last year, I'm not confident it's going to happen. I know he's going to give everything he's got, but I'm not confident. He may, but I'm not confident yet. Um, you know, and you just go down the list. You see my point, Jim? A lot of these yeah. guys they've brought in, none of them really have, have hit. And they're trying it again this year with the Nick Ritchie's and the uh, David Camps and the Andre Cash's and those type of guys. And, and you know, one, if not two, and, and maybe throw Nick Robertson into this, this group as well because he has the potential to do it. One or two of them better damn well hit, and they're going to be in a really tough spot again. Well, I think you brought up an excellent point, Dave. I mean, we're we're t- talking generally about players that could play on the left side of the Matthews and Tavares lines, and there's a bit of a conga line there. I mean, there's there's many options, uh, but I, I don't think we understand what happens. Uh, I guess top to bottom, if that doesn't work out, if they can't find those players to play in those specific roles. There's no guarantee that the people that failed at those auditions could actually help the team on the bottom part of the roster either, is there? Well, not really. I mean, throw Michael Bunting into that uh, category as well. He's another guy in the mix, but it's the same story with him. Here's what do you think he's capable of, his ceiling, this matter, everything goes well, this is what we think. But it's, it's all projection and hope. It's not like Edmonton, where you bring in a guy like Zach Hyman from the Leafs, right, where they needed a guy on the wing to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl, and they're bringing in a guy where we know this is what we're going to get. We know we can depend on him for this. Um, there's much more assurance there. Um, and, and they were in a similar position to the Leafs uh, this year, the last number of years, where it was McDavid, Dreisaitl. Okay, that's nice, but okay, who's playing with them? Well, they brought in a guy they had to pay for him, 
but when you pay some money, generally you know what you're going to get. And there's assurance with Zach Hyman. The guys they brought in with the Leafs, there isn't that level of uh, assurance right now. And, um, you know, the bottom of the lineup, I think they have that pretty well set because, look, if, if Andre Kasha shows that he cannot play in a top six role, um, you know, or Michael Bunting shows that he cannot play in a top six role, you don't really, I mean, certainly in Andre Cash's standpoint, you don't really want him in the bottom of your lineup because he's not a checker by nature, right? Like you have the bottom of your lineup much more set um, with guys that are more capable of filling a checking role. Just because a guy can't play in your top six doesn't mean you put him into your bottom six. He may not be able to fill that role um, either. So, you know, some of the guys that they brought in, they, they they project as like top six players. If they're not playing in an offensive position, then they they can't really help you otherwise because they're not checkers by nature. Maybe Nick Ritchie has a little bit of versatility, got a bit more size. He's got to invest a little bit more in that size and be willing to to show up um, on a nightly basis and and take on some of the rigors of the game, the physicality of the game. If he can do that every night. You know, I think he'll be, uh, a, 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 I don't know if weapon is the right word, but a versatile player. If he's not, well, then he's just a big guy who's floating around staying on the outside. That's no good. You can't, like, it's not a checker, right? That's, it's useless in the bottom six. So, um, again, I, I, just, I guess I go back to it. It's just so much hope, very little assurance right now, and that's really not a confident position to me to be going into the season. Um, when you're looking to try to contend for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I guess the way to describe what they've done here is they couldn't find the big prize, so they went out and bought a, a bunch of little presents, and, and, and there's volume there. I, I don't know that, yeah. you know, I don't know how it works out. But my, my concern would be if it doesn't, what is plan B? Because clearly there has to be plan B. The, you know, the, the fan base just will not accept a stumble here. And, and I, quite frankly, I don't think the ownership will either. So it's kind of precarious that way. And, and what I find intriguing is, uh, you know, we will talk quite a bit about the left side and what they're going to do. But then there's that third line center position and Alice Kerfoot sort of floats above the roster looking for a place to land. And everybody has camped in at, at the third line center, but his description is really of a fourth line center, isn't it? Well, I think David Camp is the guy they want to, to turn into a Philip Dano sort, so to speak, from Montreal, a guy that takes on a lot of heavy minutes, uh, frees up some of their more offensive players to play in more offensive situations, not have to burden a John Tavares or a, an Austin Matthews with, with that type of assignment. And, and I kind of get it. That's why, why Los Angeles paid handsomely for Philippe Deneau, because they, they want to unburden Anze Kopitar. Luke Robitaille told me this flat out on my show earlier in the summer. That's why they went out and got Philippe Deneau. They wanted to unburden Anze Kopitar from having to play in a defensive role, and they feel that um, in doing so, it'll help solve some of their scoring woes. Kings were 27th last year in goals. Not having to burden Kopitar, they feel will uh, allow him to score more. So I think that's what the uh, the Leafs are looking for out of David Camp. Um, Alex Kerfoot has been tried in that role. I don't think he really is a guy that can play in that role effectively. And if David Camp is able to solidify it, um, again, you wonder, does a guy like Alex Kerfoot become expendable on the roster? I mean, I think you could make the argument that already you wonder if he is just by, by the nature of the, the contract that he carries. Problem is, 
it's difficult to divest yourself um, of a contract like that right now in this league. So um, I think ideally that's the role that they'd like Dave Camp to fill in. And I think um, the 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 approach from from management standpoint is that they feel he will be capable of of taking on those minutes. Whether or not he's able to do so, uh, that remains to be seen. But when you look down the lineup at the fourth line, I mean, Adam Brooks was the guy that I thought of all of the fourth line centers that uh, were were auditioned at times last year. I thought he was relatively effective in that role. So, um, you know, is Adam Brooks capable of elevating in the lineup? Not so sure from the defensive standpoint. I think that's why they're pretty high on David Camp. And then if Camp solidifies that, um, what does that mean for Pierre Engvall, a guy that was sort of tried in the third line uh, center role at times last year? And quite frankly, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. So I think David Camp could be a real wild card in all of this. If he solidifies that position, does that then make uh, Kerfoot and potentially Pierre Engvall uh, expendable if you can move those contracts? Could you free yourself up for some flexibility um, elsewhere? I, I do think David Camp is, is a real wild card in all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a developing story. I mean, you could look at the sample size that each one of these new players brings, and quite frankly, it's it's not very deep, but that doesn't mean anything. You don't know, because they're, when they're on the Leafs, they have a specific role to play and a, a sort of a specific path to, to develop into. Now, that's that's not for everybody, but, but if it all works out, uh, I would concur that with you that, uh, you know, that's, that's great for the Leafs, not so great for Alex Kerfoot. Uh, at, at some point, there, there's a trade here, right? Well, I mean, look, Alex Kerfoot, the player, you have a use for him. At that money, you don't. And, like, that's what you run into in a salary cap league. Look at at the Minnesota Wild this past year. They still like the player that Ryan Suter was, but not at that money anymore. And that's why they they came to the point where they decided to buy both him and Zach Parise out. Parise's play had eroded to the point where he was not nearly worth the money. Suter, you had a role for, but not at that money. David Kerf, or uh, Alex Kerfoot, I think, is a similar situation right now. At, at three and a half million bucks, um, you know, if, if he can't play in a defensive role, he's not a guy that, that really can play in a top six spot on the wing. Um, he's just too expensive on this roster. You need to allocate that money elsewhere. But, you know, like, like I said, who is going to take a contract right now, three and a half million for another two years for a guy um, who's probably not a top six winger and isn't really a checker? It's not a great contract. It's a problem that the Leafs have right now on their hands, really through no fault of anyone but their own, for uh, bringing Kerfoot in and then signing him immediately to that deal before I think they really understood what it was that they had. Well, let's let's just uh, let's let's play devil's advocate here. I mean, if if that is the case, and I'm not going to argue with you, it's got nothing to do with Alex Kerfoot, the hockey player. It's the salary hit. So, I mean, if that was uh, something that you wanted to get done in the summer, then why would you then trade to Pittsburgh for a player that you would lose in the expansion draft when you had the guy that that you could have lost in the expansion draft anyway? Well, that that brings back another argument. I, I find that whole situation with Jared McCann to be a little bit puzzling, to be honest with you. Uh, Kyle Dubas's justification was that essentially we 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 just lost a draft pick in the expansion draft, which spoke to the desire to essentially run the band back out for another go at it. Alex Kerfoot um, included. Um, 
you know, if they weren't going to lose, uh, the fear was that they may lose uh, Travis Dermott, if that was the case. But, you know, ultimately, would they have taken uh, Dermott and not Kerfoot? But because McCann was there, they, they shifted their, their interest from Dermott to McCann. I mean, it's hard to know. The only person who'll ever know the answer to that is, is Ron Francis. But um, that may be what, what would have happened. Because if you look at the trends that uh, Seattle worked with, it was that cap space is king. And they did not take on very many players with a great deal of money in terms, certainly um, contracts that you would look at as uh, bad contracts in the expansion draft. So they may well have taken tournaments, and I don't think the Leafs wanted to lose Travis. So it was their hedge, well, we'll bring in McCann, and, and perhaps that, that is a guy that sort of shifts their attention elsewhere that turned out to be the case. But I, I do still find that situation to be a little bit puzzling. Uh, just uh, on the way out, as, as an overview type question, Dave, to, to end the conversation, I mean, this team will hit camp with a lot of question marks. There's no question about that. Um, there's the, uh, I, I guess, appearance that the, the window isn't necessarily closing, but the tolerance is, and, and that's in the fan base. And you don't know exactly how the, the, the top level of ownership feels about this, but there doesn't seem to be a, another first-round exit in anybody's wheelhouse here. So, I mean, the fact that they're going with so many question marks, isn't that problematic? Oh, it's hugely problematic, but it, it goes back to the situation they put themselves in. Uh, what other way could they have gone into the season? Uh, the only way they could have gone into the season with, with sort of a different set of circumstances um, was to was to make the decision uh, this off season that it was time to break up the band, so to speak, and move along one of the guys that they consider to be in their top four core of fours. Well, Kyle Dubas decided that he wanted to, to give it one more run at it. So um, if you're not going to divest yourself of one of those big salaries, it goes back to what we talked earlier about. You didn't have the opportunity really to reallocate money to strengthen around the edges. So they, they wanted to they, that was the, essentially the fundamental decision that this management group made was to kick the can down the road one more year and um, see if something could be put together. Look, if John Tavares doesn't get hurt in the first round against Montreal, do they end up finding a way to win that series and not surrendering a three games to one series lead? Who knows, but their chances of, of doing so would have increased dramatically. And then, okay, so they get into the second round. Uh, could they have found a way to handle, um, handle the Winnipeg Jets uh, you know, like Montreal did, maybe. And then you find yourself in the third round, and then suddenly you consider that a disappointment or a big step forward last year. And then, and then the um, the the mindset, the sentiment coming into this season is, oh well, they finally took a step forward. Uh, that was great, big step in their development. Now let's see what they can do. Now they go, you know what I mean? It changes on a whim, and for maybe just uh, an incident as isolated as a John Tavares injury. It's hindsight. We'll never really know, but it's amazing how one little thing could, could really fully have altered the, uh, the mindset. I don't necessarily disagree with coming back at this, uh, with this group for one more kick at the can. Um, but what I will say is if this season ends in disappointment or disaster again, be that an early exit or heaven forbid not making the playoffs, um, I don't see much appetite, certainly amongst the fan base or likely even ownership as well, to continue down this road with the roster as it's contrived.
last minute of play in this podcast. All right, there's the time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. So let's play a little yes guy, no guy. Uh, the least forward depth, do you like it? Oh, yes guy, there's all kinds of possibilities there. The least blue line, is it deep enough? Oh, yes guy, all kinds of possibilities there. <laughs> and least goaltending, do you like it? Yes guy, I, I just think it'll work out. Morazic and Jack Campbell should be a nice tandem. Now, the ultimate yes guy, no guy, will it all work out? Well, don't know guy, this is going to be an interesting run. And as we said in our conversation with Dave McCarthy, maybe not too perplexed about what happens during the regular season, but it cannot fail. Don't want to be around if that happens. We'll see, won't we? Hope you enjoyed Leafs Guy episode 55 and hope you come back next week for Leafs Guy episode 56.